you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. What's going on? Wait, one, two, three. All right. What's going on, everybody? My name is Ishmael Street from Dad Is Not a Now. What's going on? I have a special guest. You've seen his brother on CNN, MSNBC. I think I might saw him on Fox, maybe like, or or or, or I don't know. But also, I call him the returning champion on the Rolando Martin show. Um, I have the honor and the privilege to have this brother on. Dr. Mustafa Santiago Ali. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm blessed, brother. Thank you so much for, for having me and for everything you do. Thank you. How you like that introduction? Yeah, that, that, that was, was kind of lit right there. I, appreciate it. I was like, well, let me wait and see who this cat is. So no, I appreciate that. But uh, before um, I let uh, give you the mic to let people know about you a little bit, um, how's your niece? Cause I know on your IG, she got the COVID, how she's doing. Yeah, no, no, she's much better. Both she and her brother, uh, who's a couple years older actually got it. So, you know, it's a trip, you know, a lot of times folks think that kids can't get it. And, you know, unfortunately that's not true. Uh, they get the, unfortunately they get the virus, you know, less, you know, than, than some of the adults do, but you gotta, we gotta protect our kids. You know what I'm saying? Our nieces, our nephews and, and everyone else and make sure that they're straight um, and that they also understand how to protect themselves. Um, so I appreciate all the prayers. I can't tell you, I mean, it was crazy. There were so many folks who reached out with kind and positive words. So, you know, much love to everybody um, and, and to their families as well. Definitely, definitely, man. And then like break down your resume for people before we get into this conversation about systematic racism. So break it down, King. You know, I've just been really, really blessed. I've been doing social justice issues since I was like 16. You know, I grew up in two totally different worlds. You know, I grew up in Appalachia and then I grew up in Michigan and, and Detroit. So, you know, that, that's different. When you're rocking in the hills of West Virginia, it's so much different than, than when you're on the streets in, in Detroit. Um, and just blessed. You know, I was raised and mentored by civil rights leaders, other social justice leaders, the early leaders in the environmental justice movement. And, and then, you know, uh, you know, went to school and then was blessed that I, as a student, I actually helped to found the Office of Environmental Justice at EPA. I spent 22 years there, two years on Capitol Hill, uh, working for John Conyers, who used to be the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Once again, shout out to the D. Um, and um, just been blessed that communities have put their trust in me. Um, and, and I've always worked diligently to honor that and, and to try to make transformative change happen, both on the economic side, on the environmental side, the public health side, housing, 
uh, and a number of other issues that I've worked on, gun violence and, and a few other things. You know, it just it, it's a holistic way. It's a holistic set of issues that are happening in our communities, and we need a holistic set of solutions. So I, I'm just very thankful um, to be able to give back to my community. That's awesome. And then also, you know, you talked about you, you know, working in the EPA. Can you kind of talk to me about being a black man working at EPA? Because I know the EPA was created by Richard Nixon. Mm -hmm. So you don't see a lot of people of color in that in that world. So can you kind of talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, again, I came in as a student, as an intern um, and, and over the years, just worked my way up and you, you hit it on the head. You know, there were very few men of color or women of color. Um, in leadership positions uh, inside of the Environmental Protection Agency and in a number of other agencies and departments that uh, eventually I helped lead um, through some of the working groups that I, that I was a part of. And, you know, representation matters. Um, if you don't see yourself, then in many instances, you never dream that you can reach certain levels because you just haven't seen uh, others to be able to do that. Um, then that, that doesn't stop folks because there always has to be the first. Yep. But that shouldn't be the case, not at the end of the 20th century or the beginning of the 21st century, where we still don't didn't have, you know, leadership. You know, we're blessed now that we're about to have the first African-American man, yes. uh, Michael Regan, uh, to actually be EPA administrator. So, you know, everybody up there on Capitol Hill, get it together, get it right, get that confirmation done, because if you don't, we will come for you. Um, you know, and let me clarify that because I don't want nobody yes, to say, yes. you know, you know how people, they're going to take yeah. bite bits of this conversation and run yeah. with it. Yeah. So we will come for you with our votes. We will come <laughs> for you with our education. We will come for you by making sure that we are leveraging the power that we all have, uh, whether through social media or other things. So I'm confident that folks will do the right thing. But sometimes you got to check folks and let them know that if you are not willing to do the right thing, then we will get more deeply engaged in the process and push you in that direction. So, you know, we always uh, rely on people's better angels, if I can say it that way. Yes. But sometimes uh, that is not enough. Um, so I'm confident that it will get done. And then also, you know, I, I do believe in diversity, but I'm more inclined of inclusion. Cause like you were uh, talking about earlier, you know, having people empower in those positions, you know, plays a big role. So can you kind of talk about that aspect of that inclusion factor instead of the diversity factor? Yeah, you know, diversity diversity has, has its place, but, you know, lots of times diversity for some folks is about checking boxes. Right. And it is not about building healthy systems uh, and unpacking and dismantling systemic racism and all the things that are a part of that. Um, and, and we have to make sure that people understand that we're not interested in tokenism. We are not interested in window dressing. We want to see significant numbers of people who are also connected to our communities because we know black and brown does not necessarily mean that you are down for what's happening in our communities. You know, Public Enemy once said, every brother ain't a brother. Um, so when you unpack that, um, then you understand that everybody who looks like us is not necessarily down uh, with the transformative change that many of us are pushing for. Um, and that's why, you know, people need to understand it is much deeper than just diversity. You know, it is about creating new systems. It is about creating healthy workplaces. It is about making sure that when we have brothers and sisters inside of these positions, that they have the power and resources that is necessary to make real change happen. And that is what a 21st century 
paradigm looks like. That's what 21st century organizations must look like. Too many people are operating from 20th century paradigms. We don't have no time for that. Um, and there are so many folks who are working diligently um, to, to make sure that we are, we're creating real systems that you know, benefit our people. Definitely. And then also what kind of confuses me too is like, how has that word progressive been hijacked? Mm -hmm. Because if you think of the word and you think about the historic of progression, you know, it's enriched when it comes to the civil rights movement, the women's suffrage, um, unions. So can you kind of break that down, how that how that side was able to change the narrative when it comes to the progressive movement? Yeah, well, you know, anytime you're trying to have cultural shifts to make real change actually happen, and people see that you're starting to make progress, then they're going to throw a new label on it, especially if you haven't thought through the process of, of how folks going to come for you, right? right. Um, so, you know, you mentioned the women's suffrage movement. You know, when, when, when folks saw women trying to get out of the house, you know, they were talking about keeping them barefoot and in the kitchen or some kind of crazy stuff like that back in the day. And sisters were like, no, I'm not having it. You know what I'm saying? I am a full person. Um, and I deserve all the rights that are that that are part of being a human being. Um, and the same thing in the civil rights movement. It, it's amazing how so many folks now will embrace Dr. King. And yes, they should. And many of the other civil rights leaders. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they was calling them radicals and a number of other things when they were pushing for basic amenities, basic human rights. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you and you and you step back and you're like, well, how could you possibly create a false narrative? about giving people freedom, about giving people the, the ability to sit at a lunch counter, to be able to take a drink of water out of a fountain and so many other things. And if you're not careful, people will reframe that, they will repackage that. It's almost like, let me give you all this quick example. It's almost like the cigarette industry. So right. they used to spend huge amounts of money trying to convince folks that cigarettes didn't cause cancer. And then they would, over time start to weaken that a little bit because they knew people were becoming educated and said, well, wait a minute. Nah, that ain't true. Cause I knew, you know, uh, uncle Ray Ray over there who kept smoking he got lung cancer and such and such got lung cancer, so forth and so on. It's the same thing when we're dealing with civil rights issues, when we're dealing with social justice issues, when we're dealing with racial inequality, that folks will try and change the narrative to, to just confuse you. Cause they know if they can create chaos, if they can confuse you, then you will, Take your foot off the gas. You'll step back because, you know, well, I don't know if I really want to be associated with that because such and such said that that ain't, that ain't a good look. That ain't the move. Yeah. And that's why we have to be educated. We have to have places where we can come and get real information from trusted sources. That's why shows like Roland Martin is so important, unfiltered. That's why shows like we're, that you're listening and watching today are so important. And that's why we have to make sure that we're also owning our own spaces uh, in the media so that you can get real information and then make decisions for yourself, right? I never tell anybody, you know, which direction they should go, but I do say, make sure that you're getting some information because we are brilliant. If you give us the information and you give us access, we'll do some transformative things. Um, and, and that is a part of your initial question of, you know, what's going on and how we begin to change that dynamic. Definitely, because it's interesting that you brought that up because it goes back to, I know you remember Lee Atwaters mm -hmm. and the little secret tape he had of mm -hmm. <laughs> how, you know, they change words like um, like uh, tax cuts. And mm -hmm. um, what was the other thing he said? Uh, uh, big government, you know, yep. Yep. 
just to change the narrative. Like you can't say the N-word anymore. So we gotta say something else yeah. to, you know, yeah. just change the idea. But the, the 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 philosophy is the same, it's just the wording is different. Yeah, well now they they, they hit you with the word urban, yeah. right? <laughs> and you know what they really want to say. Yeah. Um, but they'll put urban in front of whatever the other word is to yeah. tell you that ain't for you, that ain't about you, and you should not be investing in that space. So that's you know, that's just one example of how they play the game. Now, we have to make sure that we're checking folks. We got to let folks know that when you want to play these games, that we will take our dollars. We will disinvest from whatever it is that, that you know, that, that you got going on um, and, and that we're just not having it. And, and again, it comes back to education. But it also more importantly, and for folks who, you know, people hear me speak and stuff around them, whether around this country or outside of the country, it is about us realizing that we actually have power. Right. So they tried to teach us or to strip away our knowledge that of of the amazingness that is us right and that when we actually get focused when we actually come together that we have immense amounts of power now we may only be 14 or 15 percent of the population but people follow everything that we do culture is us right you know the united states wouldn't exist without black and brown folks um and you know, so we have to realize that that we have the ability to be transformational. Um, and when we get that straight, we stop lowering our expectations and we let stop letting people play games with us, whether on mental manipulation or it, or, or getting into our pockets um, and, and actually disinvesting and, and taking wealth away from us. We are wealthier than we could ever imagine. That doesn't mean that we still don't have to focus on creating additional types of wealth to do good. Um, and, and that's just that's just the, the mindset and the paradigms that I operate from. Definitely. And then um, when we talk about systematic racism, mm -hmm. I want to touch on uh, environment and economic because they go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So can you kind of talk about, you know, them, they're hand in hand in a way. Can you talk, touch on that a little bit? Well, our folks, first of all, we come from the land. We come from the environment. You know, we traditionally um, if you understand our, our heritage, we have always been connected, um, you know, through our spiritual practices, through our agricultural practices, um, just in the way that we interact with Mother Earth. That is African people. That is Latinx people. That is indigenous people. Now, when you flip the paradigm, you also understand that we have been pushed into many communities through redlining and redistricting and, and through zoning. Uh, to create sacrifice zones where people place everything that nobody else wants. So all the toxic pollution is often pumped into our lungs, into our bodies, which cause long-term medical conditions. So right. y'all ask yourself the question, you know, when's the last time y'all seen a rich community have a coal-fired power plant, an incinerator, a petrochemical, a dump, um, you know, you know, all these different types of things that cause cancer, that cause asthma, that cause all these different conditions. And that's that environmental aspect uh, and how racism plays out. And now in a COVID-19 moment, you know, if you um, have one of these long term medical conditions, it makes you more vulnerable to COVID, both on the infection side, the hospitalization side and losing your life. Let me just drop some numbers on folks because I like numbers. <laughs> you know, so we got a hundred thousand people who die prematurely each year in our country from air pollution. 
that's more dying from air pollution than are dying from gun violence. And all of us know someone who's been a victim of gun violence, or we know somebody who knows somebody. We got uh, more people dying from uh, air pollution than are dying from car crashes. So, you know, when, when somebody gets shot, we got something to say about it. Right. But yet African-American and Latinx folks, you know, are the ones who are disproportionately dying. And here's some other stuff. And I'm gonna give something for the brothers and give something for the sisters, right? So air pollution, for you brothers who are watching, lower sperm count. <laughs> air pollution uh, also causes low birth weight babies and causes miscarriages and a number of other things that sometimes impact our community for our seniors who might be watching. Air pollution is linked to dementia. And eventually they'll probably also show that there are linkages also um, to, to some of the other brain disorders that are going on. So that's just one example of when we allow people to put things in our community or we don't know about what's going on, then there are these impacts. We got 80 million people in our country who are uninsured and underinsured. Yes. So when you get these medical conditions that are going on, you're in many instances responsible for carrying that medical cost, yep. which then again, I believe in talking about the pockets because, you know, we can talk about some of the other stuff and people get focused when their pockets start feeling a little light. Oh, yeah. So all of this stuff is taking wealth out of our communities. And that's why we got to flip the script on folks. Um, and, and that's the environmental and the economic side. Here's the other part I want brothers and sisters to pay attention to. How many of y'all, if you're old enough to remember when beepers were around, how many of y'all made some money off of beepers? <laughs> Go ahead, I'll wait. <laughs> how many folks made money off of cell phones when cell phones came out, right? So these were big technology sets of opportunities that black and brown folks didn't make much money off of, but we paid a whole bunch of money in because now everybody got one. Some folks got two or three. Um, so now we got some economic opportunities to get engaged in the new climate economy that's going on. And it's vast. So you have an opportunity to one, there's nothing wrong with having a job, right? And I'm all for people getting trained in solar and wind and a number of other opportunities. But folks, please hear me. The real opportunity is in you starting your own businesses in this space. You got a new administration, that $2 trillion is going to be dedicated to this particular set of work. And this is not the only one. We can go into a bunch of the other sets of opportunities. 40% of those dollars, so we're talking about somewhere around $750 to $800 billion, is supposed to go uh, to vulnerable communities and, and the work that needs to happen there. Somebody has to do that work. Somebody is going to benefit from it. And if we don't position ourselves, then the environmental injustices that have happened will continue um, on the economic side. That's the key question too. How do we get um, generation or just, just people of color to stop focusing on building like clothing brand and focus that into that world? Because I think that's, that's important because I think like you said, innovation is going to solve climate change. Mm -hmm. And you don't see a lot of people of color, black people in that world coming together to kind of figure out how can we affect climate change. Mm -hmm. It's just a lot of people focus on, uh, let me create this t-shirt brand. Let me create this uh, a clothing brand. Let me create this app brand or whatever. So mm -hmm. how can we get like, 
if not this generation, the upcoming generation to focus on climate change. Cause I kind of see that movement there, mm -hmm. but I don't see like people that look us like us in that movement. Yeah. Well, one, make sure y'all are also checking out the environmental justice movement because that is led by black and brown folks. And it has been for 40 years because it wasn't a seat at the table in the broader climate and environmental movement. Secondly, you know, I mean, I don't want to take away from brothers and sisters who are interested in the apparel world because there are sets of opportunities there and people have seen others who look like them who've had success. So, of course, they're going to, you know, um, uh, sort of, you know, navigate in that direction because, you know, they've seen that, that it is possible. I will say this is that also understand the impacts that happen to your environment from traditional uh, practices in that space you know it takes a huge amount of money to uh, not money well money and resources to actually make a t-shirt most folks don't know that i'm talking about the cotton being yeah. turned into material huge amounts of water that's in there so when y'all think about flint water crisis and many of these other water crises that are going on there is a better way to do that and there are new fibers uh, and sustainable ways that we can actually if you want to be in that space that you can do good and do well at the same time. Now, going back to your uh, question around the climate economy, you know, there are different organizations that are out there. Folks can hit me up at MustafaSantiagoAli.com. I can point you in the right direction, but you have some power in this. So one, a number of these federal agencies are gonna be putting out huge amounts of contracts, subcontracts and grants that you should be taking a peek at um, and seeing if it can be a part of, you know, the way that you want to move forward. The Small Business Administration is going to start building criteria uh, into supporting small businesses in this space uh, to help to get you up and going. Um, and then there are others who are also starting to make some investments in this space. But that's just one part of it. So you mentioned also there is an educational component that's necessary. So one, we should be pushing our school districts to begin as early as, you know, kindergarten or first grade to begin to have this criteria uh, in the curriculums um, so that our young people are being exposed to both the impact side, but even more importantly, the opportunities that are out there. Um, and, and those stories should be, you know, a part of what they're learning. And then we've got all kinds of other opportunities. You know, our historically black colleges and universities, you know, our training programs that are out there. We've got to get them focused where this new set of energy and new set of resources are. Because one, it helps our communities to be healthier, but two, we can finally begin to build wealth, um, which is so incredibly important. Um, so, um, you know, I'll pull the, a list together uh, for your listeners uh, of different places that they can one, get information uh, on like the health side, but also on the economic side. Definitely, because it's well needed, because I feel like going back to what we were saying earlier is that we can learn from our history. Again, our ancestors, we 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 understood the earth and the way uh, the, 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 the ground is fertilized and we lived off the earth. So if we want information, we can look to the past. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Um, and some of that past is positive and others is filled with challenges. So. You know, we were brought to America because of our expertise uh, in the agricultural world, because that is what, you know, the United States at that time was uh, running off of. Uh, but and also because they wanted some free labor. Let's let's not get it twisted. 
Um, so they can build a country, but that's for another show. So I hope you'll invite <laughs> me back and we will unpack that for folks. Definitely. You know, the other part is, you know, there, there's some stuff most folks won't know uh, probably much about this called CCC, uh, you know, the, these conservation corps that came out of the 30s and 40s, and now they're bringing it back. Um, now, the old version had some real racial justice related issues where Brothers who were a part of that were given some of the dirtiest and most dangerous jobs, which is a, a reoccurring theme throughout America. But, you know, with this new one, you know, there's a new set of opportunities that are there. And we should be positioning ourselves and our communities to be able to take advantage uh, of these job opportunities that um, will be a part of this CCC process. Um, and it, it, it is a piece of the larger climate economy, but it's one of the first ones that they're rolling out. So, you know, it's interesting, brother, you know, we all be on, you know, on IG or a number of other places and we see folks talking about getting that bag, right? Yeah. Everybody talking about, I'm about to get the bag. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. So what, what what's your bag really look like? And, you know, right. people we talking about, well, you know, uh, you know, I'm gonna pull down, you know, five G's, you know, this <laughs> month or something like that. And I'm like, how do I get my people? to right. understand that there is such a bigger and broader set of opportunities than, than the few uh, areas that we find ourselves in. Nothing to, you know, I don't want to take away anything from, you know, how people have been, you know, getting down, what your hustle is. But I do want our people to start, stop thinking about thousands of dollars and even hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. We need to be, our mentality needs to now be that we want to play in the billion dollar and trillion dollar arena. And I know that that is a leap for some folks, but as a collective, right? As individuals it might be a bit more difficult, but as collectives, there is no reason that we cannot fully, not fully be able to compete in billion dollar and trillion dollar sets of opportunities. You just have to one, educate yourself, two, understand how the flow is going and for how long is that flow going? Um, and, and three, how do we leverage the capital that's necessary um, to be able to, to fully to fully engage in this? And imagine if you're in a billion dollar or trillion dollar industry and it don't work out quite that well that you only make a few hundred million dollars. You're still doing all right. That's right. That's got to be our mentality. We have got to stop. You know, it's interesting. And, and I'll let us transition to the next question. You know, Malcolm X shared with us a long time ago that, you know, lots of times folks are getting the crumbs from the table. Gotcha. And, and I appreciate uh, brother, um, brother Malcolm. But the reality of the situation is, is that we are no longer just dealing with the with the crumbs from the table. We are dealing with the dust from the crumbs on the table because of systemic systems that were put in place and because we have not seen ourselves in the greatness that we actually are. And I'll stop right there on that. No, it's facts. Because if you go back to history, like the prior interview I had uh, a couple of months ago with um, uh, P Pamela Gardy, she's the um, executive director of the July uh, Perry Foundation. Mm -hmm. And last year was the 100 year anniversary of the Okoye massacre. Mm -hmm. This year is the 100 year uh, anniversary of Tulsa. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I, I, I said that when it comes to general, general, Generational wealth, a hundred mm -hmm. years is not long, a long mm -hmm. time ago. You know, yeah. if you think about Norman and July Perry, they they were the two richest black men in Okoye. They built Okoye's wealth, mm -hmm. and 
if that never happened, it'd be a different story. Because oh, again, generational wealth, when you're talking about billions and trillions in dollars, they were there, but it was taken away. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a reoccurring story throughout um, our history in this country when black folks, right? And, you know, I often talk about black and brown. We're going to talk about right. black folks right now. Right. Um, anytime that they have been able to build institutions and been able to build significant amounts of wealth, then they were attacked um, to both dismantle those systems that they were able to be able to build um, and to extract the wealth from there. It's a new day now, right? Because we now have the ability, if we do it properly, um, to, to not necessarily have to worry about the, the physical attacks, but we do have to worry about the other attacks that come when you become free, when you understand the power that you have, and when you start to empower others. Because in, in our traditions, it has never been about the individual garnering power. It is always supposed to have been uh, about the community uh, actually building that power, because we knew that if the community built power, it would be much more difficult for someone to be able to take that away. Yeah. Um, not impossible, of course. Um, so we've got some amazing things that are in front of us, and that's why we have to educate ourselves, right, from our elders to the yeah. youngest in, in, in our communities um, about how real change can actually happen. Definitely. And to tie this um, conversation towards the end, um, talk about what's going on in Dallas, I mean, Texas, because that kind of is basically what we're talking about, what the people in Texas are dealing with. So can you touch on that a little bit? Man, brothers, <laughs> brothers and sisters in Texas, they just keep catching it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Folks is catching it everywhere. You get, everybody got to remember, they've been hit by hurricane after hurricane. Everybody remembers, you know, in Houston when that water just got super high um, and they just I mean, it, it was just amazing the things that they were dealing with. And even before the these storms, both natural and man-made disasters come together, folks in places like Fort Arthur, Texas, you know, a thriving middle class African-American community had all these facilities come in, stripped culture away, took jobs away uh, from the from the local folks and. You know, you got places like the Manchester community in Houston, Texas, hardworking Latinx community. When you go there, you roll down the window of your car, you feel like you're breathing a gasoline fume. So I just want to give people the context uh, of what the challenges are the folks are dealing with. And now, you know, when we had this snowstorm that came in, people were like, wait a minute, it's snowing? It's snowing in Houston? It's snowing in San Antonio? It's snowing in Austin? So forth and so on. And let me just, I love context. So we're talking about Texas, right? Yep. And I want y'all to also remember that at the same time that you had a freak, what they labeled freak snowstorm happening uh, in Texas, and it wasn't freak because climate change is what's driving many of this, same thing was happening in Saudi Arabia. Yep. All y'all done seen, you know Aladdin, and you know in Saudi Arabia, <laughs> it is usually 70, 80 degrees on a cold day, 175 degrees, I'm, I'm exaggerating, on, on a hot day. <laughs> So all that to be said, I want y'all to understand this. So there are all kinds of different dynamics that are happening in Texas that are the same that's happening in your community. There's a set of crumbling infrastructures and you find that it is worse uh, in communities of color. And they also have some deregulation things where Texas was saying, well, you know what? Our power grid, we got this, right? 
but they never made the investments uh, in their power grid. So it began to fail. And that hit everybody, but we know that our people are hit first and worse. So folks are saying, well, Mustafa, what does that look like when you say we're hit first and worse? So you got folks because of long-term exposures who have these medical conditions who were no longer able to use the dialysis machines that they had in their house to clean their blood. So they slowly began inching closer to death because there was no power for them. You had folks um, who were on breathing machines and had to go to their cars and hope that the adapters would work in their lighter so that they could get their oxygen, oxygen machines to work so they could literally take a breath of air. You had folks because you had at one time, I think it was close to 7 million people um, who didn't have water, who began to actually take the snow, boil the snow to make drinking water. And in, in, in our communities that were dealing with high levels of air pollution and pollution on the land, and then the snow was on top of that, who are now taking in those toxins. Those are just a few examples of the dynamics. Now let's just fast forward to where we are today. Now, all these people who had their pipes burst, if you've ever had to replace or call a plumber into your house, you know how expensive that is. Imagine that you have to replace all of your pipes. And in our communities where people had lost jobs because of COVID um, or a number of other reasons, where's your money coming from to be able to do this? That's one part. You know, and there are these other dynamics that are going on where in Texas, you have these variable rates for some people for their um, heating costs and their electric costs. So normally some people might pay $75, $150 for their electricity for a month. Right. Now some people are getting bills of seven, eight, nine, $10,000. I want y'all just to take a second and ask yourself, if you got a $10,000 electric bill or heating bill, where are you going to get the money from to pay that? Yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> and we know that many of our homes, especially for folks who are living in lower wealth housing, you know, there are landlords that ain't never invested no money in, in weatherization um, or making sure that things are insulated properly um, and a number of other dynamics that go on. Or even if we own our own homes and we're just trying to keep food on the table and, and, and traditionally trying to keep the lights on, we got all these dynamics that are a part of this paradigm around environmental racism, environmental injustice, housing justice issues. Um, and we won't even get into the fact that when the storms came, folks who had privilege were able to escape. Yep. They were able to leave the state or they were able to go to a hotel that had a generator. Yep. Um, and, and our folks were stuck. They're stuck in the cold. They were freezing. And now they, they're stuck because they're trying to rebuild their lives. Um, and we know that in many instances, the Calvary does not come uh, to save us. It might make its way through the, down the road, but a lot of times they don't come uh, and actually save our communities because it's not the system hasn't been designed for that in the way that we need it to be. And that's why we have to push the new Biden administration to fill whatever gaps might exist. And that's and I, and that's facts because at the end of the day, it's about you know you have the power, um, and as a group, as as a tribe, you can vote people in that you feel like fit your agenda, and you vote them in. But at the same time, you put pressure on them to make sure those agendas happen. Because if the one thing is you can vote somebody in, 
and think you're done, but you're not done. That's the easy part. The hard part is, you know, putting a foot in there and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. we voted you to do this and this, this and that. And you got to keep doing it. You got to keep doing it. Yeah. And, and we've got to. I'm so glad you brought up the civic process because when I was at the Hip Hop Caucus for two years, you know, I was blessed, you know, to be there. And we worked with a number of artists around the Respect My Vote campaign and a number of, and really helping, you know, brothers and sisters to understand the power that exists inside of their vote and how it's not a one time action as you just raised and how we really need to have a holistic strategy, right? You know, from the local level to the county level to the state level, all the way to the federal level of really understanding who these candidates are. I don't care. And sometimes I get in trouble for this, but I just give real talk. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or an independent. If you're not doing the right things for our communities, then you don't deserve our vote. Uh, I just don't give people my vote. Um, you know, you, you I need to know what's your track record and also what is your vision and what are the, the, the commitments that you are willing to make. And then I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna evaluate, I'm gonna give you an opportunity. And if you don't do the right thing, I'm gonna find somebody else. And here's the other thing that is so incredibly important, and I appreciate it for your platform here. Folks, you have all the gifts uh, and abilities that are necessary for any of these positions. I have worked with folks at the White House, I've advised White House, I've worked with senators and congressmen all the way down the line to, to you know, folks on local school boards. You have everything that it takes for any of those positions. You've just got to realize that it's all right for you to run for office. And it's all right for us to get behind our own and support them. We support you, we help you to get in there, and then we gonna hold you accountable too. So I just hope our folks, especially young folks, you know, you ain't got to wait until you're 60 or 70 years old or 50 years old to run. There are some amazing young people uh, who are now on Capitol Hill. Um, and there, are, of course, are amazing folks, you know, on the local and the county and the state level. Get it. You know, your voice matters. If, you, if we didn't learn anything from all of the energy um, and, and sacrifice that folks just did and continue to do through the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. um, is, is that we can make change happen. It, it takes work. It hurts, you know, um, but it is worth it. And a part of that movement is about people moving in to office because it, it, it trust me, y'all, I done marched, I done protested, you know, and that has its place and has its value. But you got to get in and you got to change to the best of your ability the system. And that means that you got to be in there holding those offices. Um, and we got to get enough folks in so that you ain't the only one. And it, we've got a change. We've got a dynamic that is changing where you don't have to worry about being the only one. Now you may be the only one in a corporate space, right? <laughs> like when we started this this episode off, where you might be the only one at, at uh, EPA or at NASA or wherever in, in a particular area there. But when it comes to running for office, you you got folks who can help mentor you. You got folks um, who have paved the way um, in many instances, and there is a seat there for you and and, and it's waiting on you. The question is, why are you waiting uh, to not run? That's right. Instead of just wait and just take it. Take it. Take the seat. Take the seat. Right. Yeah, because people don't like to give away power. 
No, you got you got to, you got to go you get it. You got to go yeah, get it. You got to go a little. You got to go a little hood sometimes. You got to get, get gully sometimes. You know what I mean? You gotta, you gotta, God bless it. So you got to go T-bone. You do. I mean, that's just real. And, and you know what? I, you know, I, I, I've worked with so many folks. You know, uh, you know, some of the folks I most enjoy working with were the hustlers, right? And, and, and others who were doing things to, to you know, to survive. And, and to get them to change the mindset. I often talk about moving from surviving to thriving. Um, which is so incredibly important. So, you know, if you've been a hustler, right, and we ain't going to talk about what you was hustling, you know, there is a skill set if you're successful at that, yeah. right? You can translate those skills that you learned and things that probably were not helpful to the community into things that will be helpful in the community. If you know how to navigate, if you know how to talk to people, um, if you know how to leverage, right, all those different skill sets that you might learn. It's amazing when you see folks who will stand on the corner, it'd be 10 degrees below zero, and you're trying to move what you're trying to move, and you're willing to stand out there for eight hours, or 10 hours, or 12 hours, yeah. to make a little bit of change. And then if you could take that energy, that dedication, and translate it into some positive things, you can do, you, you can do transformational things. Um, and that's what I try and get folks to understand. It doesn't matter about where you came from, right? There is something inside of you that has greatness wrapped all around. It's tight. It's like somebody took a bunch of rubber bands and made this ball and it wants to expand and it wants to explode. And you just have to be understanding and willing to allow that to happen. And then you surround yourself with other positive folks who either then walk that path or are walking that path. And y'all together can do some things. Look at, look at all these powerful folks you got. You got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She was working at a restaurant. And now she's one of the most powerful voices, you know, in media and on Capitol Hill. You know, you got Ilhan Omar, right? Came um, as an immigrant from another country. And people said because she was Muslim, you know, that she wouldn't able to do X, Y, and Z. And now she's knocking it out the park. You know, you got Corey um, from Memphis, you know, knocking it out. And, you know, these are people who most folks would have seen and been like, well, yeah, you know. They they ain't they ain't the right ones. They didn't come from, you know, certain families. They didn't go to certain schools. That's right. Ain't nothing wrong coming from from a great family that maybe has a long history of doing good. Yep. There's nothing wrong with being blessed with education. You know that that happens from books inside of institutions. You have education lots of times from the streets. A lot of people got PhDs in the street that you can translate. Uh, into the corporate world, into the political world, into the nonprofit world. Yep. And if we can just get folks to understand that any of these negative things that we see happening inside of our communities do not have to be our future. I often say, don't let the sins of the past be brought and become parts of the sins of the future. Because we can exercise that. For those of y'all who went to church and y'all done caught the Holy Ghost before <laughs> or whatever it is, I need y'all to go get some holy water, whatever it is you need to do, and just sprinkle it. Sprinkle it on anything that is not positive in your life. Uh, sometimes you got to sprinkle it on yourself because sometimes we don't let a little negativity, you know, get up in us. And, and we start to be like, well, I guess that's just the way it's supposed to be. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I know I'm taking you further than, than no, you wanted I, to go. I but but I, I appreciate your time, your, your wisdom, just everything. You, 
that is you, man. Like I said earlier, you remind me of a cool ass uncle. I, I want to call you Uncle Santiago. <laughs> <laughs> well, my niece, is, my niece is a nephew. They, my niece is a nephew. They call me Uncle Moog. So you know, I don't know if I went that trended on Twitter, but you know what I mean. But hey, it is what it is. If, if that's if that's how they get down. When I used to, when I, if the hat fits, wear it. You know, I used to, because my locks and stuff used to be parted in the middle, so they used to call me Black Jesus. I was like, hold up, y'all, that's too much pressure. I'm not trying to be Black Jesus. But, King, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, let the people out there know how they can find you. Yo, everybody, if you're on Twitter, you can catch me at EJ in action. Uh, if you're on IG, it's real simple. It's my full name, Mustafa Santiago Ali. Um, or you can check out my website uh, at Uh Much love to everyone. We can make real change happen. We just got to go get it. Cool. And we out. Peace. So for you. Yeah. Yo. There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here but that or I'm behind you But always got you, end of discussion, nothing means more First wanna offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake, cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all.